The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, the play-in picture is complete. And boy, was it a doozy on Sunday getting there. We talk about the drama that is taking place in Minnesota. There's two things that'll really shock you. Uh, Damian Lillard's comments in his exit interview and what that means for Portland. A couple of coaches that have already been fired and some more news around the league. So Nick, my man, drop that generic ass beat. This should be Rihanna. Man, the final day of the season might have been one of the strangest, craziest days in league history. Strange, uh, because one game left in the season, we had no idea what the playoff schedule was going to look like. None. Zero. Crazy, because the games themselves were a combination of tanking teams sitting everyone and other teams fighting like angry hornets to preserve their place in either the play-in or the playoffs themselves and sometimes trying to thread that line between avoiding the Suns and avoiding the plan. Very, very tenuous line, that is. Day ended with not one, but two fights between players on the same team. A 42-year-old who scored more points than he has since 2009. A pair of coaches getting fired. Two NBA team records getting broken. A ton of chaos going on in the aftermath. And a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> the weekend, we had a weekend, folks. Uh, let's quickly recap the play-in as it is officially here. Eastern Conference, we've got the number eight Hawks versus the number seven Heat on Tuesday. We've got the number 10 Bulls versus the Raptors in Toronto on Wednesday. Western Conference, we've got the T-Wolves taking on the Lakers on Tuesday. And 10-seed OKC Thunder taking on the 9-seed Pelicans on Wednesday. If you don't already know, here's the breakdown. Loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game on Friday to determine who is the 8 seed and plays the number 1 seed in each conference. Back to the games. Uh, we are 100% completely, totally, absolutely have to start with the batshit team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, versus the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> 
Uh, wow. I don't even really know what to say. The Pelicans started the day with an outside chance to make the number five seed. If everything fell their way, the Wolves could have also won and tried to avoid the play-in if a disaster hit where the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors all lost. This is the only game on Sunday where both teams equally wanted to win. A lot. There was a ton on the line. And by God, was it one of the strangest, most dramatic games in memory. Here is what happened. The Wolves. The Wolves play Timberwolves basketball. Typical Timberwolves basketball, which means when you think they're going to lose, they win. When you think they're going to win, they lose. And sometimes all of those emotions happen in one game. Super inconsistent. The leader of this erratic play, the leader of what the fuck is going on, is, of course, Rudy Gobert. Of course. Of course it's him. Why else wouldn't it be? Uh, He's always up to something. What was he up to? Well, before the game, Rudy Gobert didn't even want to play. He was, quote, suffering from back spasms. And so he was going to sit himself out in an, in an essential, very critical game between two teams trying to make it out of the mud. And Kyle Anderson, a.k.a. Slow-Mo, was like, no, fuck that noise. I got back spasms too. Uh, you're playing. You are playing. That's what we're doing. I don't care what you're going through. You're on this court. That's the first sign of problems is Kyle Anderson telling Rudy Gobert what Rudy Gobert should do. Rudy Gobert did end up playing, if you want to call it playing, uh, because he was on the court in body, but not in mind or spirit. Uh, Two points that he made in the middle of the second quarter, completely ineffective, playing absolutely zero defense, just loafing. Pelicans open up a double-digit lead. It looks like Rudy Gobert wants to be any place but there. Valanchunas put up seven points and seven rebounds on the first quarter alone on Rudy Gobert. So it was not very good. Things are not going well. So then Rudy Gobert loafed a couple more plays in the second quarter. He was a disgusting minus 14 in the short amount of time that he played. And Anderson was like, yo! They have a timeout. He comes up to Rudy and he's like, yo, you need, according to the reporting, yo, you need to play some fucking defense. You need to try. Now. And Rudy Gobert responded like, oh, bonjour. Uh, You need to rebound. And then Kyle Anderson's like, verbatim, this is verbatim, this is not my summation. He says, shut the fuck up, bitch. And what did Rudy Gobert do? Very out of character for Rudy Gobert. He punched his own teammate's full closed fist in the chest. Full stop. I believe Nas Reed or Torian Prince got into the middle of it, started bum-rushing Rudy Gobert. Kyle Anderson went after him. They had to be separated. The whole thing was a melee. Of course, then, Rudy Gobert had to be removed from the scene. Got to get Rudy Gobert away from all of these men who want to kill him. And that's not the end. Surprisingly, halftime, Kyle Anderson, who of course was still furious at Rudy Gobert because he just got punched in the chest by seven-footer, went to the locker room where Rudy Gobert was finishing changing because he was not going to play anymore, and proceeded to threaten Rudy Gobert that he would knock his ass out, according to reporting. Yeah, a recording was leaked, which I posted, uh, of Kyle Anderson at halftime cussing the rest of his team out for protecting Rudy Gobert. 
because Rudy Gobert, according to Kyle Anderson, obviously, because that's what the reporting says, is he called him a bitch. So the reporting is probably accurate that he's, why are you protecting this bitch? The quote, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Y'all guys are kissing Rudy's ass way too much. Telling me to focus? Y'all got some decisions to make this summer. What are those decisions? What are the, what are those decisions that they've got to make? Is it a is it a him or me scenario? It took GM Tim Connolly and assistant GM Dell Demps coming into the locker room to intervene before we got some sort of Roman Reigns chair on head scenario going down. They had to send Rudy Gobert home, had to remove him away from the arena. It was so bad. Because probably he would have gotten knocked out by someone. If you think that that was the end, that on in, on its own right would have been plenty. But there's more. And more impactful things actually happened. Literally, impact. Before the scuffle that was 100% Rudy Gobert's fault, we have wing defender Jaden McDaniels, young stud that Minnesota did not want to trade to Utah. So much so that they added an additional first-round pick to the deal so they didn't have to move Jaden McDaniels, one of the best perimeter wings in the league, averaging 16-4-1 in the last 15 games. Picked up two quick fouls in the second quarter and was so mad at himself that he stormed into the tunnel in a fit like Tasmanian Devil and and let loose a haymaker on a brick wall to no one. What do you think happened? You think he was fine? Do you think everything's good? You think he went out and played the rest of the game? Like, the Wolves ended up winning the game because Jaden McDaniels had a phenomenal second half? No. Jaden McDaniels broke his fucking hand. That's what happened. Jaden McDaniels is done. Done. Zero times. Remember that MLB player? who was so excited that he broke his own hand after the team made the postseason, and he didn't play another postseason game. I think they got eliminated. I think the kid was for the Brewers. Yeah, this is Jaden McDaniels in the middle of a crucial game to decide play-in seating. That's Jaden McDaniels. No more time spending playing basketball this year for Jaden McDaniels. He fractured a bone in his shooting hand. Night-night, sleep mask for you. Maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Crazy. Uh, Jake Fisher, friend of show, I think three days ago, published a piece why the Timberwolves' Jaden McDaniels is the elite defender you need to know more about. Oh, I think we know about him now. I think he's a part of the national zeitgeist at this point. The loss of Jaden McDaniels cannot be overestimated. He's one of six players in the league to defend 1,000-plus minutes against NBA All-Stars this season, and now he's gone for the year. I mean, in, in the history of the world, if you're looking at the battle between cement and fist, cement wins every time. Cement, I think, is undefeated. And guess what? All of this happened, and we didn't even reach the third quarter yet. So things were happening. And then because the Wolves are the Wolves, they lost their center, they lost their perimeter defender, uh, they're down double digits to the Pelicans who are trying to make it into the sixth seed or better. What do they do? Somehow Carl Anthony Towns goes crazy. Somehow Ant Edwards goes crazy. Ant Edwards had five blocks and five steals in the game. Most of that was in the second half. 
the things that happen with the Wolves are just truly unimaginable. They end up winning that game. Remember, there's a possibility now that they could end up playing the Grizzlies in the first round if they win their playing game against the Lakers, who they now play in the first round, which is going or first uh, playing game, which is going to be wild. But man, the Grizzlies versus the Wolves will be one hell of a doozy. Also, breaking news: of course, Wolves suspended Rudy Gobert for the playing game. He's suspended. He's done. Which is, I think, a blessing in disguise because they're eight and four when Rudy does not play. Nine and four if you count yesterday. And then, out west, the Clippers were in a dogfight with the C-Squad of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Saban Lee, Darius Baisley just putting up buckets. It was like an AAU tournament game. Nobody was playing any defense. They were giving it to the Clippers. At one point, they were up 10. Anyway, Suns had a four-point lead at the start of the fourth quarter. And then Plumlee and Bones Highland, uh, both newcomers at the trade deadline, had words that ended up also getting physical. What? Yeah. Uh, it didn't get past shoving, and it immediately intervened. And let's be honest, Plumley's not probably going to punch anyone because he's Plumley. Uh, and then they had to be separated, where they were sitting at opposite ends of the bench for the rest of the game. So uh, beat writer Andrew Greff spoke with Plumley after the game. Apparently he was pissed because Bones was missing assignments, which is not shocking because Bones has been missing assignments since he's been at VCU. So he missed assignments in Denver. And that was one of the reasons that he was traded. As for the Clippers, it was Kawhi Leonard, it was Russell Westbrook that brought them back to the promised land where now they get a date with the Phoenix Suns' full A squad. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, who you barely beat without them when they were sitting in street clothes. So we're going to have to see how that goes. After the game, Ty Lue says, if you ain't getting it right, fight. Then. And after that, we took off and we played better. Maybe we should do it a.k.a. fight, more often. They worked it out. Everything is good. The rest of the day, what are we talking about? He said maybe we should fight more often. The rest of the day, the Lakers held off Utah to win. Golden State put up 55 points in the first quarter alone to the Portland Trailblazers, which is an NBA record, and uh, beat the Blazers by 50, which we'll get to in a bit because there's ramifications of all of the losses that the Blazers have had, I think, which we'll get to as well. I think the Blazers have had seven combined wins in the last two years after the trade deadline. Down in Miami, 42-year-old Udonis Haslam, yes, that's his real age, a.k.a. a walking uh, DNP CD, had played only 64 games in the last seven years combined. He put up 24 points yesterday in a game, Udonis Haslam. Miami bench as a whole put up 111 points which broke the NBA record held by Toronto uh, of 100 in 2020. Udonis Aslam had 32 points all last season in 13 games. Udonis Aslam, last game of his career, puts up 24. What an end of the season. And we still have the second season left to go, which is the playoffs. Bring in the play-in. I need it. I want it. Give it to me. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We talked about the Blazers getting stomped by the Warriors. 55 points they put up on the Blazers' head in the first quarter alone. It has been rough. It has been... It has been a tough road if you're a Blazers fan or somebody that works for the Blazers organization or somebody probably who plays for the Blazers. I think that they've had six signings in the last week. Guys that were two-way players I had never heard of, like, what was his name again? Spencer Hayes? No. You know who I'm talking about. Mays. Skyler Mays. I feel like I'm living... That was Trendon Watford last year, right? Like, who is Trendon Watford? That's a real name, right? Who is Skylar Mays? I think they're both LSU products, which is crazy. I think they are. I think they are. Skylar Mays, a bucket. Never have heard of him before. It, it sucks. These are the things that you have to put up with when your team sucks is players who suck playing significant minutes for your team. No shade to Skylar Mays or Kevin Knox, but those guys getting 40 minutes in, quote, end of game or end of season scenarios shows you everything that's going on. They've had seven wins in the past two combined years after the trade deadline. Let me say that again. There is no team worse than the Portland Trailblazers post-trade deadline in the last two years. Which is crazy because the Portland Trailblazers weren't even trying to lose this year at the trade deadline. They didn't start tanking until three weeks left into the season. Portland has managed seven total wins after the break. Combined. Not seven each year. Combined. So now, what's going on? The Blazers have some decisions to make. Damian Lillard is obviously not stoked. People are calling this the most important offseason in Blazers history. The biggest question, will Portland be able to surround Damian Lillard with any players who can make this team relevant, competitive, dare I say, a contender? Come on. A contender. Come on. Lillard came out and made some very clear comments about what it is he wants and what he does not want. As we all know, Portland currently has the 10.5% chance of getting Victor Wambayama, which I believe is fifth. 
in the NBA for the lottery. If Portland doesn't somehow get Victor Wimbiyama, that pick, Damian Lillard, did everything short of demanding that they move that pick. You are not getting another 19-year-old kid and putting him next to me. Absolutely not. Think of that. Portland is now in a quandary. This is supposed to be a historic draft, one of the deepest in memory. And Damian Lillard says, fuck them kids. Don't want to see them. Don't want them on this team. I want nothing to do with them. Literally, that's what he said. I'm not babysitting any more 19-year-olds. The Blazers, according to all the reporting, probably going to end up trading out of the lottery to add a star player. Here's what Dame said, if you want the quote, about adding another young player to the team, drafting another young player. I'm just not interested in that. That's not a secret. I want a chance to go for it. And if that route is to draft youth, that's not my route. Huh? Scooby? Does that mean Dame says, hey, that's not my route, meaning uh, if that's your route, then me and you got to go separate routes. Not my route. Immediately, Joe Cronin was like, yeah, yeah, Dame, Dame's right. We're not doing that. Uh, we're going to get some stars. Yeah, Dame, Dame, we're good. He goes out publicly. Him and Chauncey Billups and said, we don't want to go through this anymore either. It's time for us to start winning basketball games. Billups said, yeah. This is very important to me. Billups said, yeah, we've done the tweak thing a few times. We've got to be much more aggressive than the tweak thing. If we want to do right by the best player in the history of the organization, we have to be aggressive. The million-dollar question for a Blazer fan is how do you fix it? How do you fix this team? I don't know. They are among the smallest roster in the NBA. They have only two players taller than 6'8" thin in terms of depth at talent. They ended the year starting a guy named Jonathan Williams. That's not a typo. Not Jonathan. His name is Jonathan Williams with two E's. He got 41 minutes along with Skylar Mays. So what does this mean? It means that the future draft capital means absolutely nothing until you move those for some players who can play right now. The target group is good. We'll just say that, because Dane believes that somebody can come here and move the needle, and they want to. It's just a matter of whether Portland can get them here. Here's the list that they're reporting. Jalen Brown. God. Let's just sit there and imagine for a second. Jalen Brown, Damian Lillard, and Shaden Sharp, and Jeremy Grant. That's better than Boston right now. Here's another player, OG Ananobi. I'm less intrigued than I am with Jalen Brown. Still very good. Pascal Siakam. Oh, sounds good. Mikhail Bridges. That's the number one on my list. They're already calling him Brooklyn Bridges, though, so I feel like I feel like the Nets are kind of ready to keep him. I feel like the Nets are saying he's an untouchable piece. All three of Four of those, whatever it is, are difference makers. All are defensive-minded players. They can all score. Of course, JB's the first choice. He can do so many things on the court. To me, the perfect scenario is this. So we've got some coaching firings. One of those firings, I don't know if you call it a firing, they're calling it a promotion, is Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey is out in Detroit. He is done 
coaching those young kids. Jaden Ivey has drove him officially insane. He is now in a front office position. Chauncey Billups, take your ass back to Detroit. We now have an open spot, and we can say, Ime Udoka, it's time to come home, brother. Time to come on home to Portland, where you grew up. And then Jalen Brown, the guy who sang from the rooftops for you to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Now you, I don't know, like you're fired. So maybe tamper now before you get the head coaching job. And bring him to Portland. Get him to force his way there. Another issue that Dame seemed to settle is that 100% Jeremy Grant is coming back no matter if it puts us in the poorhouse. Because what other options do we have? Dame says he's coming, so I guess he's coming. Problem is, uh, Jeremy Grant is represented by Rich Paul, and Rich Paul is the David Falk of this modern era. He is going to Falk us uh, for everything that he can. He's going to squeeze the Blazers for every penny. He did this with Nurk. Nurk is one of the most overpaid, overpaid, overrated centers. Overpaid, we'll call him. Overpaid centers uh, in the league. Grant likes it. He says he's comfortable here. He says he likes the players and the team and the organization and probably the money. Also, there's a bigger issue, which is to bring in a star, you not only have to give up a high draft pick, you've also give up players. The beat writers for Portland think it's either Shaden Sharp or it's Anthony Simons. Ant or Shaden. You have to imagine that it's gonna be it's gonna be Simons. You can't trade Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp is the future. One guy makes rookie scale, one guy makes twenty five million a year. One guy has one of the worst defensive ratings in the league. One guy has upside in terms of his defense. Sharp is probably the one bright spot on this team right now. To be honest, he's averaging 24, 6, and 4 with a steal per game in his last 10. He is asking for 30 minutes per game. Uh, well, actually, I think that's Chauncey who thinks he can get 30. And then Shaden is asking to start. So what does GM Joe Cronin have to say about picking between Shaden and Simons? He says, well, I think that's something we have to look at. I look at it as a great problem to have. <laughs> but you have to figure that out. How does the fit work? How do the minutes work? Are there other holes that you need to fill instead? Pause. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. That part. That part. Yes. You know that there are... What are you fucking talking about? You know that there are holes other than shooting guard to fill? Anyway, it's an exercise we're going to have to go through and evaluate. No, we're not. You already know what the answer is. But on an individual level, I love both guys. I think they're both mega talented, and I'm thrilled that we have them. Bye, Anthony. See you later. Enjoy Boston. Have a good time with all of the beans and the racism. Last year, the Blazers acted like they were going to make money moves, and they got Gary Payton. And didn't they get a... Cody Zeller? Yeah, they did. That was our move. We got Tony Snell and Cody Zeller, Gary Payton, and Jeremy Grant. Well, thankfully, we get the opportunity to overpay Jeremy Grant now that he wouldn't extend with us for a reasonable salary, so good for us. This year, I don't think Dame's putting up with Cody Zeller. <laughs> I'm going to guarantee you that's not the veteran he wants. They must make money moves. And... Who do I think that they get? I think it depends on the outcome of the lottery. If the Blazers have the number two overall pick and they can move that piece, maybe another young guy like Anthony Simons for a guy like Pascal, that's a good look. I think that 
Toronto is going to be rebuilding pretty fast. I'm not sure that Bridges is a possibility. I'm not sure that JB is gettable. It is certainly worth a try. You try and try all you can. All I know is that if you are a Blazer fan and you see the Blazers pick a player in the lottery this year, just know Dame is gone. And we are in trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If um, what was happening in Dallas wasn't hilarious, I would probably be sick of talking about it, but it's actually quite delightful. Uh, Feed me all of the Mavericks' misfortune. Feed me all of the drama going on with Mark Cuban. I just love it. I love the chaos. I love how completely inept everyone is there from... Mark Cuban to Nico Harrison to Jason Kidd, all the way down to probably the ball boy. He, the ball boy probably doesn't even know how to inflate the basketballs for the team. That's how bad it is there. I, I, it's like watching a slightly overweight European train go off the rails as a more slightly overweight owner tries to fix it, but he can't, and he just has to watch in horror. And if you thought that the last month was entertaining, oh boy, this offseason just got even more spicy, more of a soap opera because it's probably going to get worse. So where do we start? (sighs) Well, we talked last episode about how Dallas punted on the season, technically. And then Luca came out and said, no, that's actually not true. We're not doing that. And then more bad things happened. Uh... They deemed a future draft pick more important than trying to make the playoffs, which was Luca's stated goal. They said we need to not give the pick to the Knicks, so we're going to do whatever we can to keep it ourselves. So they tanked in a way that was even more egregious, even more embarrassing, even more obvious than the Blazers, which is kind of crazy because they said the quiet part out loud. They told everyone. Jason Kidd came out in front of everyone and said, hey, my bosses are telling me that um, no one can play tonight because we need to plan for the future. And losing games right now is how we do that. And the league says, oh, no, baby, you can't say that. You can't do that. Luca came out and played for a quarter and some change, got his player prop, ching, and got a weirdly non-standing ovation, standing ovation. And then that was the last that we saw from him. That was the last that we saw from Kyrie, who did not play, did not give an exit interview. And it is just so bad. Why was Luca so mad that he didn't get to play the full game, despite the fact that he wanted to participate in a game that was still meaningful because they could play in the playoffs. Uh, It has everything to do with Slovenia because the Mavs scheduled Slovenia Day on the second last day of the season, meaning people traveled from Slovenia 
to watch Luka, and Luka played a quarter. In front of his own people, he had to sit in, in warm-ups while people who flew 10,000 miles, or whatever it is, watched insert player you've never heard of and Reggie Bullock. Are we serious? It, do, do you know how embarrassing that is for your people? Do you know how much of a slap in the face that bullshit is? And they were like, we do not care about Slovenia. Uh, the only Slovenian that we care about is you. And Luca was pissed. So what did uh, they do? They, Like I said, they sat Kyrie, Christian Woods, Hardaway, Bullock. Uh, and it was everybody was clearly healthy. They sat Christian Wood and Jaden Hardy for rest. Guys who were in their early 20s. And then now what is going on? Like clockwork, the league investigates the Mavs for tampering. Everybody is thinking about what the outcome is going to be. There's every scenario down from finding the Mavs $5 million to taking a draft pick from them, which would be hilarious because that was the whole reason that they did it to begin with is to preserve their draft pick. Everyone now says that Luka is unhappy. There are new reports that Dallas fears that he will ask out. Luka says, I am happy here. I am not asking out anytime soon, but we need to fix these problems. He sounds a little like Damian Lillard, folks, with less patience uh, and really less rope with the organization. By the way, meanwhile, Kyrie and Luka were 5-11 and 11 when they played together this year, and Dallas has just one option. They must sign Kyrie Irving. There's no other maneuvers that you have. The roster is in disarray, and... I don't know if you can see the train wreck coming, but I certainly can, and I don't know that there's much to do to stop it. And by the way, quick little aside, I did a show on New York Sports Radio this weekend on WFAN, uh, and I spent nearly two hours talking with fans, Nick fans, about whether they wanted Luke on the Knicks. And 80% of people said no, which is just where we're at on Luca right now. Insane. I love the end of the season because every time that it ends, we all know who's getting fired. And we've been waiting for months for Steven Silas to get fired. We've been speculating for months about Dwayne Casey getting fired. We've also been commenting recently about whether Nick Nurse would decide to leave. Two out of those three are now no longer with the team in a coaching capacity. Uh, Dwayne Casey stepped down after a very rough season. Uh, when Cade Cunningham went down, it was curtains for them. We knew that. They got James Wiseman, and then the curtain call came down even more. That's what happens when you win a league low 17 games on top of 23 wins last year. Just not a team that you can trust whatsoever. Killian Hayes developed into a nice piece. Isaiah Stewart did as well. Like This is a team with talent. This is a team with athleticism. This is a team with length. But the good news is that Casey has stayed on with the team, and some of the other replacements that are possible, potentially Chauncey Billups, Pistons legend, and moving forward down in Houston, the Steven Silas era has also come to an end. He, he was 59 and 177 while he was the head coach of the Houston Rockets. He said that it was one of the best times of his life, but a 59 and 177 record would be so painful 
to watch on a day-to-day basis. Not just watch it like us, because I watch it and I'm in pain, but also watch it and be tasked to fix it. It has been rough for him. Things were so broken by the time he got there when James Harden and Russell Westbrook asked out that you can't really blame him, except for that you can. Except for that you can. He was not taking into account what his coaches said to do. Uh, He didn't hold any of his players accountable. He had no ability to fix the defense. He did not develop Jalen Green. No one knew their role. Eric Gordon asked to be a part of the offense. And he told them, I'd love to give you some more responsibility however Raphael Stone and the man with the shrimp fork Tillman Fertitta says we can't do all that we gotta let the young guns develop the athletic said this to say about him the absence of leadership on the floor turned to chaos with lack of winning habits the only consistent theme in a 20 and 62 season offensively players deviated from game plans and resorted to their own means it's bad Defensively, the effort was largely null and void on a (laughs) nightly basis. It is no surprise that the Rockets, per cleaning the glass, have ranked in the bottom four in offensive and defensive efficiency over the last three seasons. I mean, is there anything more scathing that you can say than that? The article basically said what we could all see. This guy is in over his head. The Rockets have no identity as a team. And you add that to a front office with heavy fire and an owner with no patience and you've got a team that's underperforming on the court that really does not compete, that is a recipe for disaster. And Silas pretty much was on the chopping block all year. He's a good offensive coach, but he has no business leading men. As for the Rockets, the latest rumor is that they're primed to go big game hunting in the offseason for more stars. I don't know who they think they're going to get. Honestly, they've got a lot of cap space, but would you want to play in that mess right now? No. No one wants to oversee a rebuild again in H-Town. No no chance. Moving forward, Trey Young time. When uh, Quinn Snyder was hired to to help and and helm the ship of the Titanic that is the Atlanta Hawks, I did say that it was weird timing. But you add that to the notion that there were speculation that the only reason he came on that late in the season was to figure out whether he could live with Trey Young in the mix. It turns out that we have our answer about what that was all about. Rumors are now catching fire, saying that the Hawks are 100% going to explore trading Trey Young in the offseason. The rumors, let me say that again. The rumors are that the Hawks' ownership has given the green light to whoever wants to do it to trade Trey Young in the offseason. Wow. The Trey Young experience may have been coming to a close in Atlanta. According to Kevin O'Connor at The Ringer, who dropped this recent article called The Hawks Have Changed Everything Except for Trey Young, the Hawks could be making some huge moves. And make no mistake, the decision will be 100% Quinn Snyder's because according to O'Connor, league sources say during months of negotiations in the lead-up to Quinn Snyder getting hired, He has demanded and now wields significant influence over personnel decisions. Though Atlanta's front office dynamic is described as a, quote, collaborative effort, which is never something that you want, many high-level decision makers from opposing teams believe that it's now Snyder who has the final say. Pause, pause, pause. Did Kevin O'Connor just write months? 
months of negotiations with Quinn Snyder? So they were negotiating with Quinn Snyder while Nate McMillan was still rolling out the ball and coaching the Atlanta Hawks? That is interesting. That is very, very interesting. I guess it makes sense. Given that the most desirable coaching candidate on the market at the time would demand control and it would make sense that he would want some sort of conversation prior to the opening. But Jesus Christ, is that wild. He has been 10 and 11 since taking over uh, because Trey Young doesn't want to move without the ball, basically. He is Russell Westbrook. Everybody thought he was going to be Oklahoma Trey Young, which is some version of Steph Curry with off-the-ball movement, pin downs, dribble handoffs, and really what he does when he doesn't have the ball is just stand there. That's, that's, is that encouraging to you or not? Because it is not encouraging to me. How Snyder has gotten the kids, A.J. Griffin, Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, to buy in, and Trey Young hasn't, shows you everything you need to know about Trey Young. So would that shock me if Trey Young and or DeJounte Murray got moved this summer? No. It would not. Would I be shocked if they tried to build around Trey Young next year? I would also not be shocked. All I know is for, for the first time in Trey Young's career, people are pointing at Trey Young and saying, listen, motherfucker, you are dead on the chopping block if you don't get that shit squared away. They are not putting up with his nonsense. So either he needs to move without the ball and be little baby Steph Curry, or he is going to somewhere like Houston. With Jalen Green and them boys. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Check back Thursday before we start the playoffs. Do not forget to check the feed. I hope that there will be more interviews coming. Might have an interview lined up that is very special. Uh, Stay tuned for that. And please follow the Heat Check as the playoffs are now here. Download. Subscribe. Please tell your friends. All of them. Follow us on social at at this Heat Check. At Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Because the heat check never sleeps, even when my voice is going and the chaos is ensuing. 